helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Life Transformation Show. I'm your co-host, Denise Hart. Today's topic is one that resonates deeply with many of us. It is about the journey of restoring brokenness, finding healing, and experiencing redemption. In the midst of life's trials, we often find ourselves grappling with questions of purpose, hope, and redemption. Today, we're using the timeless story of Ruth to explore the subject of suffering. Can our brokenness be transformed into something beautiful? Can God redeem our suffering and turn our darkest moments into sources of strength? Stay tuned to find out the answer to these and other questions and to learn how we can become partners with God in taking steps to transform our suffering. Get your notepads as we are going to be covering a lot today as we explore the topic, a journey to healing and redemption. To guide us through this exploration, I have the privilege of sitting down with someone who wears multiple hats, my dear husband, psychotherapist, and Bible teacher, Michael Hart. Welcome, Michael. Well, thank you, Denise, and thank you for taking the time to do another show with me on such an important topic. This topic of suffering is one that is very central to the ministry that we do, Denise, because we see so many people who call our ministry daily, dealing with things like the death of a loved one, dealing with divorce, the death, the, uh, dealing with the, the failure of a business, dealing with life-threatening illnesses. And all of these people have one thing in common. They are suffering, and they are trying to find answers as to how to journey through their suffering. So I think it's very appropriate for us to be doing this subject today about a journey to healing and redemption. Maybe you're listening and you're going through that journey right now. Maybe you have been through that journey many years ago. Maybe you have never been through that journey. But every one of us, if we live long enough, will take that trip sooner or later. So I think the things that we're going to be covering in this show today is are, are things that are important to everyone. Exactly, Michael. I could agree with you on that. The book of Ruth and especially the experiences of Naomi, is a great place from which to draw illustrations about suffering and adversities. Michael, why don't we begin today's show by refreshing listeners about the details of Naomi's losses? I think that's a good place to begin. So when we read the book of Ruth, if you haven't done so for a while, maybe this recap will be very helpful. You get a picture of someone who is really going through a lot of pain. The book starts by telling us that Naomi and her husband and her two sons left Bethlehem because of a famine, and that they went to this place called Moab, the city called Moab, to find 
food and to have a better future for their family. But as the chapter unfolds very quickly, we hear that the husband, Elimelech, died and that her sons, her two sons, also died in Moab. And all three died within 10 years of each other. Now, what is interesting about the book of Ruth as it talks about the suffering, the suffering of Naomi is that it personalizes the suffering by giving the names of the people who have died. It didn't just say, it didn't just say that, that Naomi's husband died or that her two sons died. It gave, it gave us the names. Elimelech, the husband, died. And it also tells us that her two sons, Marlon and Kilion, also died. And you can get the sense that this is a real family who is on a journey to find a place where they could be provided for and have a better life. But instead, what they're encountering on this journey is death and suffering. So as we go through the, this book of Ruth, what I think many of us miss is that the suffering of Ruth and Naomi is on par or as great as the suffering of Job. The book of Job has been used as a, an illustration of extreme suffering. But have you ever stopped to consider the suffering of Naomi? Job lost all his children, but Naomi lost her children, all her children, and also, also her husband. Job lost his wealth. Naomi also lost her source of financial support because in those days, it was the men in the family who provided. And so Ruth is in a, in a country where she has no husband and she has no sons. Also, whereas Job had friends to come to support him and was in his homeland, Naomi was a lone woman in a foreign country apart from any kind of support except for th that that she got from her daughter-in-laws. Also consider this, that whereas Job was surrounded by friends with which he shared a common faith, Naomi was in the midst of a country that was known for its idolatry and sinful practices. So this is extreme suffering. And the book of the book of Ruth also has some irony because in the story we are told that Ruth is leaving this place, sorry, Naomi, I should say, is leaving Bethlehem. And the word Bethlehem means house of bread. But what is ironic is it's that in the house of bread, Naomi is experiencing famine. And I think what this is saying to us is that we can have surprises in life. We can have suffering that comes unexpectedly. Naomi was in this place where she should have had bread, where there should be supplies. But instead, what she encountered was famine. Have you been in a situation where you feel 
that the way life is working out for you is totally shocking and surprising. Maybe the person that you think was your Prince Charming turns out to be the biggest deceiver that you have ever met. Maybe the church who you thought would be your supportive community neglected you in a time of need. Maybe the business that you thought was going to be your source of success has suddenly failed. Whatever it is, you can identify with this story because it is full of surprises. The house of bread turned into a place of famine. What have been your shockers in life? What are your losses? Whatever you're going through, the story of Ruth is a true testimony that God can heal any brokenness and bring redemption out of any suffering. So, Michael, I've never compared the suffering of Naomi to Job before. But as you did, that comparison brings into sharp focus the severity of Naomi's situation. Also, as you talked about the idolatry of Moab, some may ask, why would she go to Moab? in the first place, if she was trusting in God? That's a very good question, Denise. I think when we think about the historical relationship between Moab and the Israelites, we can see that Naomi must have been very desperate to go to Moab. In Numbers 22, we read that the Moabites did not provide the Israelites with essential provisions and were involved in hiring a prophet Balaam to curse the Israelites. So there were already tensions between the two nations. Furthermore, we read in Numbers 25 that the Moabite women seduced the Israelite men into, into participating in idolatrous practices. So the fact that Naomi and her family were going to Moab to find bread means that it was a matter of survival. They were in a desperate place where they had to do whatever it takes to survive. And there is no reprimand to Naomi for going to Moab from God in the Bible. So I think it was a, it was a case of desperation where she was so desperate because of the famine that she had to go to this place. And as the story unfolds, as I said before, she meets more sadness there. She meets tragedy there. She loses her husband. Her husband dies and her two sons died shortly after. So it's again ironic that the place that she went for a better life turned out to be a place where she met with suffering. Agree with you, Michael. So I'm sure the listeners would agree that Naomi's suffering can be compared to uh, what so many are going through today. So what are some of the things that you see in how Naomi dealt with her suffering that can be a lesson for us today as to how we should deal with our suffering? Yes, as, as we read the book of Ruth, what we find is that Naomi expressed her emotion. She did not suppress her emotion. We are told that she wept at least twice in the book of Ruth. When she was about to leave to go back to her homeland after her husband and son died, we are told that 
she 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 kissed them goodbye that that is she kissed her daughter-in-law's goodbye and she wept aloud the bible didn't just say that she wept but it added that word aloud to tell us the depths of her suffering she wept aloud because she is leaving now her own support to go back to a country that she hadn't been to for 10 years. And she's going back because this land of Moab had turned out to be a place of bitterness. And when the girls refused to to, 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 to stay behind, she talked them, she tried to talk them out of going with her. And one of the daughter-in-laws decided to stay in Moab. But Naomi, the other daughter-in-law, decided to go back with her. So Ruth, I mean, the other daughter-in-law, Ruth, decided to go back with her. So we are told again that they wept aloud. All three women wept aloud. And Orpah, the other daughter-in-law, kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But the Bible says, but Ruth clung to her. And Ruth said, I'll just read here a, a passage Ruth said, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. So we see a lot of emotions at play here as Ruth sets out to, as Naomi sets out to go back to her homeland and leaving, planning to leave her daughter-in-law behind. As it turns out, after they wept, Naomi decided to go with her. So we get a picture here of Naomi that she wasn't suppressing her emotions. She was in touch with her deep pain, her losses, and she was not afraid to cry. Many of us do not get the healing that we need because we are afraid to cry. We are afraid to bring ourselves or we see crying as a sign of weakness. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Live Transformation Show, where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been speaking on the topic, A Journey to Healing and Redemption, a show about restoring brokenness. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com, where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. Surprisingly, the Bible tells us that Jesus wept. So if Jesus wept, it means that crying is not a sign of weakness because I'm sure that none of us would think of Jesus who bore the cross as being a weak person. So you're allowed to cry. You're allowed to get in touch with your sadness. And don't let anyone in your Christian circles tell you that crying is a sign that you don't have faith or that you don't trust in God. I think this was a source of Naomi's healing, that she was able to get in touch with those deep-seated emotions as she wept. Yes, Michael, and I'm sure it's, a, it's in these situations that we should give ourselves grace and, you know, express our emotions. So we know from our ministry that many who reach out to us for help after the death of a loved one are sometimes hurt unintentionally by people in their faith group who spiritualize what they are going through. So, 
Can you touch on this point as you talk about Naomi's attitude in her suffering? Yes, what we find in this story is very interesting because as you said, Denise, it's right. Many in our Christian circles spiritualize suffering and make people who are going through pain and suffering feel that they should not be sad. They should just have a smile on their face after their husband had just passed away or they should not be sad if they meet with any of the misfortunes of life. But we see that Naomi expressed her suffering in very detailed way. She did not spiritualize it. And even when her daughter-in-law's laws wanted to come with her, she didn't say, yes, come with me. God is going to provide for you. Don't cry. Let's go and trust in God. She painted a very real picture. She's saying, I have nothing to offer you if you come back with me. Yes, she knew that God was a provider, but she was being practical as well. She's telling these women the reality of what they would face if they go back with her to her her homeland. So she did not spiritualize what was happening. She did not try to get Ruth or Moab daughter-in-law to spirit to, to believe in God in a way that made it seem like her God was some kind of a magician that she should just trust in regardless of what is happening on the surface. She told she told Ruth that it was going to be very hard if she went back. And it's interesting that it is that kind of reality, that kind of practical outlook. When 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 Ruth saw that her mother-in-law was not faking it, when she saw that her mother-in-law was a genuine person, that despite the fact that she had a faith and a trust in the Almighty God, that she could still cry and get in touch with her emotion, but yet trust in God, Naomi said, your God will be my God. But many of us feel that we have to put up this facade that we are like robots for people to believe in our God. No, Naomi did not do that. She was genuine, and Ruth was attracted to that genuine display of emotion. And Ruth probably felt, I am like that. I know what it is to be broken. I know what it is to lose a husband and to cry. So if she is crying like that, I can identify with her. The sad reality is that many of us as believers believe that to, to attract people to our faith, we have to behave like robots without emotions who never cry. But the reality is that that's not attractive to people. People cannot identify with that. So notice in the passage in, in the, in the book of Ruth, how many times Naomi showed herself to be genuine in talking about her pain. For example, she said, the Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. And when she went back and she arrived in her homeland, she didn't pretend as if she came back and she had a good experience in Moab. Maybe many of us going back would feel, I can't tell people the suffering I have been through. I'm going to go back and make it seem as if I had a great time. So when Naomi stepped on home silent, they asked her, Naomi, how are you? Naomi didn't go, praise God, God is good all the time. She didn't say that. What Naomi said is that the Lord has afflicted me. He has brought misfortune. And when they called her Naomi, a name that means pleasantness and sweetness, she said to them, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitter. 
So I think this shows that she was really getting in touch with how she's feeling. And she also went on to say, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. So what Naomi is doing here is expressing her emotion. And if you are going to get out of your suffering in a healthy way, it's important for you to express your emotions. And journaling is a very powerful way of doing so. The research by James Pennebaker and others show that people who journal using expressive terms to talk about how they feel, like Naomi is doing in the book of Ruth, that people who do that, that they heal faster from trauma and hardships, that they have less physical symptoms, physical health symptoms, and that they have less mental illnesses. So begin to journal, begin to write out your suffering and how you feel. Use word to describe how you feel in the same way that Naomi does in the book of Ruth. As you spoke, Michael, you know, I get a sense of, you know, feeling like I really know uh, Naomi. So that just tells me that, you know, we should always be really truthful to ourselves when we are going through uh, these sufferings. So also, uh, it was so intriguing um, when you talked about the meaning of the names and their implications in the narrative. So what else do you see in the narrative? Yes, just as the name, the names are powerful for expressing what is going on when she said, no longer call me Naomi, but call me Mara. We also see that Naomi also used an image to express how she, how she is feeling. So she said, I went back full, but I came back empty. And what she's using there is a metaphor, like an empty vessel to express her brokenness. And what is interesting is that psychology tells us, psychologists tells, tells us that if we want to heal, it's good to come up with some way to capture how we feel, an image, come up with an image that captures the way that we feel. And we see this is a biblical principle as well. David, for example, uh, talked about his suffering as a slimy pit that he could not get out of. And so here we have Naomi saying, I am like an empty vessel. How would you express your suffering? Maybe you could express it in the terms like, I feel like I'm carrying around a weight on my shoulder. I feel like I'm locked in a cell and I can't get out of. That kind of imagery speaks a thousand words and is just as powerful as journaling. So come up with a way to express the way that you feel. And it's also good to have opposites image. We opposite images. We see here that Ruth does that. She talks about the empty vessel, but but she also talked about a time before when she was full. So if we are heading toward healing. It's good just not to come up with a, a, a negative image, but also come up with an 
image that represent what you would like to be like. So if your situation can be expressed as being locked in a cell, maybe the opposite positive image could be you're standing on the top of a hill in bright sunshine, your hands are raised, and you're praising God. These images send very powerful, sublime messages to the subconscious and can help to set you on your path of healing. It's also a declaration of faith where you're saying to God, I am not limited by what I see in the here and now. As Hebrew tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. A positive image is just that. You are drawing a picture in faith of what it is that you would like to become. Amen, Michael. You have given so much hope uh, when you just spoke. So, Let's talk about redemption. Explain for the listeners how this story of Ruth is a powerful reminder of God's redemptive work, even in the midst of our worst suffering. There are a number of ways in which this story is redemptive. Because I, first of all, I think of, of, of Ruth. Ruth is in a culture where she is trapped in idolatry and immorality. And the suffering of Naomi takes her there to rescue Ruth out of that. So we see that the suffering, the death, uh, the deaths of, of Naomi's husband and her two sons were not in vain. They did not die in vain. We see that out of that death, God is rescuing, rescuing root out of it and bringing her into faith. So the point where where Ruth declares, your God will be my God and your people will be my people is a way of saying, I am now surrendering myself in the hands of the Almighty God. I am leaving this idolatry behind and I am turning my life over to your fate. So Ruth is redeemed out of that. And I think it's important as we think of the redemptive work of God to see that God always have a bigger picture that he's working with that we can see in the midst of our suffering. So when you're tempted to feel that there is no purpose and life is hopeless, remember that God has a bigger plan that you cannot see. You're only seeing a part of the picture. So there's a bigger plan, a bigger master plan at work here in this story. Because if we turn to the book of Matthew, we will see that King David is a descendant of the Moabite Ruth, and that it is from that lineage that Jesus, the Messiah, came. So just think of that for a moment. The deaths of 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 Naomi's husband and son, the suffering that they went through, all of that was all intended to bring redemption. But we have a role to play in our redemption. Naomi and Ruth did not just sit and do nothing with their suffering. If we read the narrative, we can see where Naomi and Ruth, they're strategizing as to how they're going to provide for themselves by 
picking up grains in the fields that were being plowed. And also we are told that as they strategized and they planned, they met Boaz, who was very instrumental in bringing about their freedom. It was not by chance. It was because of their ability to keep going even in the midst of adversity. Thank you, Michael, for such an inspiring discussion on this topic. And we have come to the end of our program. Thank you for joining us today as we explored the topic, A Journey to Healing and Redemption. Tune in next Monday morning at 9.30 when we will be looking at Strategies for Co-Parenting with Narcissists a show that will help many who have left a narcissistic relationship but are being controlled and manipulated through their children. If you missed any part of today's show or you want to revisit, you can find this on Elim Counseling Services' YouTube channel. Just search for Elim Counseling and subscribe to stay updated on all our latest content. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com. Please consider making a donation to help our Christ-centered ministry. Your contribution will directly help those seeking support and guidance. Until next time, this is your co-host, Denise Hart. And Michael Hart, pray together that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.